0: Uh, Five years ago, exactly, our family, the seven of us, we sat with you for the first time. Uh, It was our first Sunday, and I find it uh, very interesting that, hey, today is five years exactly. Uh, We were sitting over in that section, and we uh, had just moved into town, and uh, it was a joy to just come in, and uh, people who seemed like strangers instantly became family, and to think that uh, five years, our family of seven has grown to the body of Christ uh, here. Uh, there's others that are, have called this week saying, sorry, we're, we won't be there. We'll be online watching. We're out of town. And so uh, it is a joy to see our family uh, grow uh, as brothers and sisters in Christ uh, in uh, the Lord. And as I thought about the last five years, and some of you go, well, I've been here for 19 years, or whatever it may be, Uh, you can add this to your list. But I think about the fact that uh, we have joy for what we have seen the Lord do. In salvations, in baptisms, in, uh, I I love to hear uh, the voices of babies crying out in the service because I'm like the Lord is blessing uh, his people with uh, children uh, to also to give thanks even when it's hard to think about all of our brothers and sisters in Christ who have gone home to glory who we miss, and we look forward to seeing them one day, but uh, them being uh, family members, uh, to uh, think about how we have gathered here week in and week out, some of you for 19 years in different places, uh, with the Word of God, uh, to worship God, not to come to get something, but to come to worship Him, to read the Word of God, to uh, hear the preaching of the Word of God, To think of the fact that for years uh, you've been involved in small group Bible studies here on campus and uh, in homes. And to know that all of these things have been centered around Jesus is glorious. And therefore this morning, if you have a heavy heart this morning, you need to look to Jesus. He says, set your eyes on things above to look to him, not to man or circumstances. And so we look to Jesus this morning Uh, As I, again, thought about these things and I came back to Acts chapter 2, I didn't plan it this way, but I was told two days ago that Pastor Eric Peterson, who served here faithfully for years before I was here, this is what his last sermon was on. And uh, he has been such an encourager uh, over in Helena, uh, has called me and checked in on me regularly just to pray for me. And to go, I've got a family member in Helena. Uh, and to think of uh, these things are a joyous um, thing that you can rejoice in. As we look at this, uh, the scriptural truth that we see from Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47 this morning, is that the church belongs to Jesus, who builds his church for his glory by the power of the Holy Spirit. Look with me, beginning in Acts chapter 2, verse 41 through 47. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Church, you are blessed to have God's Word in print for you to read, to know the words of God for us, And you are blessed even greater uh, to have the Holy Spirit to give you understanding of this, that we would live accordingly. So Father, we pray this morning that you would continue to reveal to us the truths of your word, even a passage that we may know by heart, and we've heard preached before, we've read it a bunch of times. Uh, Holy Spirit, would you teach us, remind us, and help us uh, to apply these things in our life. Uh, Jesus, we love you that you would give your life for us, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at this, um, I, I want us to uh, look at this bigger picture in the book Acts here, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll look at the early church at this time. But uh, what we see in verses 41 through 42 is that the church, God's people, they were devoted to God. They were devoted to God. And so when you look there at verse 41, um, those who received the word were baptized and they were added that they 3,000 people. I mean, imagine being there on the day of Pentecost, hearing the gospel preached, and 3,000 people, 3,000 people professed their faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's a wonderful, glorious thing. And at the same time, in my mind, I go, wow, what did they do? 3,000 people. You need some good organizers. And the great thing is God's word tells us what they did. But I would remind you first of how they got to that. Look in chapter 2 with me. Look at verses 22 through 24. This is the first sermon preached, the first time the gospel is preached we have recorded here. And Peter says in verse 22, "'Men of Israel, hear these words. "'Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders,' And signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was possible—not not not possible for him to be held by it. Peter told the people, he declared to them, he was a herald of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, he stated to them plainly and clearly that they were people who sinned against God. He told them that they needed a savior and he pointed them to Jesus Christ who was delivered over to death, that he was the one who was nailed to the cross and his, his blood was shed so that forgiveness would be granted to his people through faith in Jesus Christ that not only he died on the cross and bore the wrath of God uh, in our place for our sins, but on the third day, church, what happened? He arose. He is risen. After five years, <laughs> you finally got that right. Um, if you haven't been with us, uh, uh, I, from time to time, will say he is risen, on, not on Easter Sunday, waiting for a response, and we went from mumbling. Uh, And like, oh, am I supposed to say something to you being um, in unity in that? So, amen, Owen. (laughs) And so the gospel is preached. Look at the response in verses 37 through 39. It says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of who? Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. To be struck in your heart that first time that you heard the gospel and the Holy Spirit revealed to you that you were a sinner in need of a Savior, remember that moment. Think back to that moment when we were singing about needing, being desperate for God, that moment of desperation when you're like, I am a sinner for a holy God. Jesus, would you save me and forgive me? What a glorious moment you read here. 3,000. That's not something that any pastor, group of elders, apostles could ever do. It's the power of the work of God through the word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's a joy to look in this room and to know so many of you who have professed your faith in Christ, and the Holy Spirit opened your eyes to the truth, and you said, I believe, Jesus, forgive me, and this is what we see here. Three thousand of them. And so the question is, is what did they do? If you look here in verses forty-two, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. The first thing that they, you see is this word devoted. Uh, this word uh, devoted is uh, a, a word that means to continuously or ongoing, continuously be steadfast or attentive to. They were continually devoting themselves to God Almighty. This was what you see in their life and their practice in everything they did and said. And yet the church then and the church now is not perfect because we know as we've read and studied 1 John, we uh, will one day when we're with Christ, uh, our souls will be made perfect and there will be no more sin that we battle with and so we struggle and battle against the temptations of sin today, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, we walk in holiness and are led by Him. Uh, but we know that there was a devotion that marked the people of God then that marks the people of God now. It says that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Church, let, let me ask you, what was the apostles' teaching? What did they teach? Any guesses? Any guesses? amen Jesus Christ and they also had the Old Testament and so what the apostles did is what Jesus gave them the example when you read through Matthew Mark Luke and John when the people gathered to Jesus not only did they see him do miraculous works but Jesus taught them of the kingdom of God In Luke chapter 24, when he's after he's risen from death to life and he's on the road to Emmaus with two other uh, followers of Christ, uh, they're wondering what's going on and he's talking to them and he explains to them everything in the law and the prophets, the Old Testament is about him. So every single thing we read from Genesis 1 to Revelation chapter 21 is about Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. And therefore, that is why we are a people, to be devoted to the apostles' teaching, which is found in the word of God. In Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission, Jesus tells them to go and make disciples. And one of the things that he tells them, though, is to teach them all that I've commanded you. So the apostles go on to teach the new believers everything they learned from Jesus. And they went on and the gospel was declared and the teachings of Jesus continued and the Holy Spirit gave the uh, writers of the New Testament God's words to speak and, or to write down so that we can have today. John chapter 14 Jesus says in verse 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. If you read in verse uh, Back in chapter 2 of Acts, where we're at in verse 46, they met in the temple daily uh, for, um, to gather to pray and to seek the Lord. But they also uh, were uh, hearing the Word of God being read, and they gathered for teaching. They gathered in homes uh, for the teaching of the Word of God. Again, 3,000 people. Uh, they did not have a large stadium or a huge building to meet in. And so they met at the temple and they met in homes. Uh, And it's a glorious thing that God is the one who builds his church, and so he kept his church together in the midst of uh, where they met in different places. In Acts chapter 5, it tells us, and when you get to Acts chapter 5, it's possible that there were 10,000 to 20,000 Christians. I mean, that's a staggering number. I mean, again, fill the grid stadium one time, and that's possibly how many believers at that point. How do you do church? The good thing is the Lord builds his church. Jesus builds his church and therefore he worked all those things out then in which he does now. In Acts chapter 5 verse 42 it says, and every day in the temple and from house to house they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. You see, they constantly were preaching and teaching to one another the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is God, that he is Lord, that he is Savior. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the one who has created us and given us life and breath. He is the one who has gone away to prepare a place for his people. And he says, I promise I will come again and you will be with me for all eternity. The hope and the joy that we have in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this, church. You don't even have to answer out loud, but ask yourself this. Let me ask you, do you hunger for the Word of God? Do you thirst for the living Word of God? I am so grateful and so thankful to see in the time that I've been with you a growing hunger for the Word of God, to hear you speak to one another and to share of what you're studying. The number of people, I I couldn't tell you the number of texts that I get from people constantly throughout the week at different times. Pastor, I was reading this, and they send it. I mean, the times where I'm like, I don't have time to read all these things, and you're telling me what you're reading and what God's revealing to, to you. What a joy to know that the Holy Spirit's doing that in your life and my life is wonderful. In Acts chapter 17, I've I've, I've mentioned the Bereans before. In verse 11, it says, Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Some of you have been Bereans for 20 years or more. And some of you have been Bereans in the last few years. The Bereans, they were just a group of believers in the city of Berea, and they're noted here for being those who study the Word of God, and therefore it is a joy to know that you uh, hunger for the Word of God and you study it. And so they were devoted to, the, to God through the apostles' teaching, and this, the second thing that they're devoted to uh, is to the fellowship. Uh, briefly there in verse 42, the word is koinonia, uh, it's a Uh, participation of a group centered around common interests or spending time together and sharing with one another. Um, It says that they had all things in common in verse 44 of chapter 2 here. And their common interest was who? Who was it? Jesus. Their common interest was Jesus Christ. That's why they gathered. That's why they spent time together. That's why they ate meals in homes. That's why they were generous with one another is because their common interest was Jesus and they were striving to be like Jesus. To follow his example. To live a life of humility humility, being humbled in their heart just like Jesus was. And so they longed and looked to Jesus and that is why they had all things in common. And with that devotion to the fellowship of the body of Christ, um, they um, spent time together. And therefore, as we've seen this before, Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Maybe you've experienced this before when you've been on vacation for a while. Or maybe you've been sick for a number of weeks and uh, praise the Lord that we have the uh, uh, gift that God has given technology that you can watch from home. But that longing in your heart to just be with, to see a brother and sister in Christ, to share what God is sharing with you, to spend that time together is a a thing that happens in the heart of the believers. And therefore, in Hebrews, we're told not to neglect meeting together. I'm thankful that even this morning, those who texted and said, hey, we're gonna be watching online, we're out of state, we're out of this area here, Um, that's encouraging. And I I look forward to seeing them when they uh, get back home. Uh, but there is the temptation in the world today for the church to stay online because, let's be honest, sometimes it's nice just to sit back and just veg and turn it on and watch from a distance. But the temptation, though, is also then to find a way, like, oh, I've got some extra work I need to do, or I just don't want to be around those people, or that person said that. And so guard your hearts, and the Word of God says, don't neglect um, being together. Verse 42, they were devoted to the breaking of bread. In a few minutes, we are going to take bread and cup together and, uh, again, remember the cross and rejoice in salvation in Christ. Um, but they ate meals. Uh, this evening, we do not have a 5 o'clock service here. Um, there's no service tonight. So find someone in the room and say, hey, you want to go to dinner tonight? You want to come to the house tonight? Just go, go eat together. Uh, enjoy fellowship together, pray for one another, share, say, hey, here's what the Lord's been teaching me this week. This is what the church did. And with that, they did remember the cross, as they did eat meals together, they would do what Jesus told them to do, which we will do together, is they did take bread, and they took cup, and just as First Corinthians 11 was telling them, as Paul wrote to the church, don't do it in a wrong manner, do this in unity, remember Christ, and rejoice in Him, and look for His return to come. But they ate together, In verse 42, the fourth thing is they devoted themselves to the prayers, before Pentecost in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, it says, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to what? To prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Jesus had ascended to heaven. He told them to go back into the city and to pray and wait for the day of Pentecost, and that's what they did. And so they went back uh, 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 into the city, and they prayed until that day came, but they were devoted and committed to praying And one of the things that I'm so thankful is that you pray. You pray for one another. You pray for the corporate body of Christ. You pray for all of our missionaries in this world. You pray for Christians. You don't even know. I cannot even tell. Even this morning, receiving emails from pastors and elders from other places in the nation, I've never even heard of their church, saying, Paul, we're praying for you this morning. I'm like, I don't even know who talked to them or knows what's going on, but I'm like, wow, in Texas and Tennessee and in North Carolina and Georgia and Ohio and Pennsylvania. I'm like, wow, some of you can attest to that because you've been sick before. You've battled with cancer before. You've been in a, a, a hospital before and people you don't even know, they're like, hey, we're praying for you. You're like, Wow. They were devoted to prayer because they knew God's word. And God's word tells his people to pray and ask of him because he said he hears his people when they call. And he says he always answers. And you're like, well, he has an answer. No, he always answers with a yes and no. A yes or a no. There's no maybes. He answers yes or he answers no. And the reason he answers no to our prayers is because he has a better answer. And so he's not going to give us the things that we pray for that we think are better. And so we praise God, our Father, because he does hear and he does answer. And they were devoted and you are devoted. And we are to continue to grow in that devotion. Let's look here at verse, three, verse 43. They had all things in common. Verse 43 teaches us that they had all things in common In verse 43, it says, awe. It means reverent fear. It's a good dread or terror, as the word means. Came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. They were filled with the fear of God. Church, that is a good thing for you to fear God. Not in a, uh, yes, the Lord can wipe us out in a breath but the fear and the awe is of his glory, or as we were singing, his majesty. To think that we would stand before our Lord and Savior one day, we would be clothed in the righteousness of Christ, and there's a holy, reverent fear that comes in our hearts because of the Lord Christ living in us. This is the awe that came upon them. 1 Peter chapter 2 Peter writes to the believers and he says in verse 17 honor everyone love the brotherhood and he says fear God honor the emperor in the midst of the believers that Peter wrote to facing persecution from the emperor just because they believed in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in the midst of all that he says fear God I would say that would be the right posture for every single one of us in every moment of our day because if we fear God with a reverent awe, then we're always going to be glory to God. All the glory to you. None to us because you are God and you are the one who gives us life and breath and you're the one who can take that life and breath away. They were at awe because of the work that God was doing in them and the fact that they saw the lame walk, that they saw uh, Eutychus and Dorcas who had died being raised from the dead. They saw all kinds of wonders being done through the apostles at the time, knowing that it was not the apostles, but it was the power of God working. It was the Holy Spirit doing these miraculous wonders. And this is where the awe came upon them. If you read of Ananias and Sapphira, um, I don't know, is it chapter 3 or 4 of Acts, where they came before the elders and it says that everyone was selling property and selling things and bringing it so that the church could be used. And they, they, they simply could have just brought what their gift that they did, but instead they lied about it. And uh, they said, well, um, Ananias, uh, is this truly what you sold the property for he goes yeah it is and he says you have lied to God and he dropped dead his wife comes in a few hours later her son his I mean her husband had already been taken out and and they say to her uh, 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 Sapphira did uh, you sell the land for this Uh, this gift is what you're giving to the church she says yes And just like uh, your husband those who carried him out are waiting for her she drops dead and it said fear came upon people and I'd be like I'd be a little bit fearful too Uh, watch that we don't lie about anything. Um, But this fear and awe because God is God. And they were in awe of the work and the wonder that he was doing. It says, verse uh, 44 again, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. All things in common. Again, thousands of Christians at that point you would think that unity is impossible because we know that we still battle with sin and therefore unity gets crushed at times among the body of Christ because of our thoughts and our words and our actions towards one another and I'm thankful that the Lord has given us his word especially Matthew chapter 18 because when we've been wronged by another brother or sister in Christ or we've wronged them Jesus said here's how you reconcile And Galatians says, restore a brother or sister in Christ. And so we must ask ourselves this morning, if we have uh, everything together in common with our brothers and sisters in Christ, have we wronged them? Have we said anything that would grieve a brother and sister in Christ? We must search our hearts this morning. Lord Jesus, forgive me for what I said. Forgive me for what I thought. Let me have the strength and courage to go to my brother and sister in Christ and ask for forgiveness I'm telling you, that's one of the hardest things to ever do because what it involves is me swallowing my pridefulness and acknowledging my sin before the Lord that I have sinned against God and one of His other children that I'm going to spend eternity with. Holy Spirit, help me to go to them and to ask for forgiveness and be restored to them. Acts chapter 4, verse 32, it says, Now the full number of those who believed were one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. What you see in verse 45, 44, or that passage, and then in verse 45 of Acts chapter 2, is they were not only devoted to God, not only did they have all things in common, which is Jesus Christ, but they were generous as one another. And here's the thing unity in Christ leads to generosity with one another because who's the greatest, most generous person ever? The Lord God Almighty. He owns it all. So anything and everything you have has been given to you by the generous hand of a loving God. And therefore, we are to be like Christ and we are to be generous with one another. Well, what does that mean? Look at verse 45. Some people take this to great extremes. Well, it simply and plainly says, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, I can remember uh, when we lived in Los Angeles, there was a, um, a, a group that masked themselves as a, as a church, uh, and they were a cult And they preyed upon college students, specifically Christian college students. And as the Christian college students would come to their church services, it was only a matter of weeks before they brainwashed the Christian students with this verse and a few others to say, you need to sell your car. The Lord will help you get around to your campus and to work and all these things. You need to give all of these things. And, 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 and within weeks and months, you have Christian college students who have nothing. And they have to quit college because they can't even afford these things. All for supposedly the name of Jesus and providing for the church. It does not say they sold every single thing that they had. It says they sold their possessions. They gave as they had. As, as if anyone had a need, they gave to that. And that's a glorious, wonderful thing. And I've seen this among you in the past five years. I have to say to you, as I said uh, to uh, other pastors I've spoken to, in the four churches I've served in the past 20-something years, I have never seen a group of believers that are so generous with one another. To hear someone meet and say, I got a need for this. If someone said, said, they have a need. I, I was just talking to a young man right before the service. He's moving into an apartment for the first time in the next month. I said, do you have any furniture? He says, no. Some of you have furniture. If you have furniture, I want to help him in that. Talk to me after the service. But it's been glorious to see this lived out among you. Joyful. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, he said in verse 33, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with, with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no, no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so they strove to be generous as Jesus Uh, the greatest giver to us, eternal life. In verse 46, it says, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with what? Glad and generous hearts. Again, it's a joy to gather around a table with other believers. I love having barbecue meat, smoked meat, um, any any type of good seasoned meat uh i always think that just i i remember growing up every so often uh the grandparents lived next door grandparents down you, you would sunday afternoon you'd have a roast i don't know why i'm like is that some christian tradition or something but uh you'd have meat uh and you would eat in homes together and then we'd go for an afternoon drive through the countryside, I guess, uh, maybe keep you awake from falling asleep of eating too much. Uh, but to think a joy that the body of Christ has now and has had and can have in the future and for the day that we gather for eternity about, around the banquet uh, of the Lamb, that uh, eating together is something that God has blessed us with that we can have joy in doing. And so again, go have a meal with other believers today. And bring some other non-believers with you because you have no idea what the Holy Spirit will do in those moments. But be joyful together. And as you do that, even in moments that are hard, I mean, I think about uh, believers that have been a part of the congregation here that have gone on to be with Jesus and to think about the memorial services that we've had and the joy of what God did in their life and then to have a meal with them afterwards is a joyful thing even in the midst of sorrow. And so they ate together. They remembered Christ as they gathered together. In the last verse that we look at, though, in verse 47, it says, Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord did what? He added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The last point is this, they were witnesses of God's saving work. Church, you have been witnesses of God's saving work in your lifetime as a believer any time that you have seen anyone added to the body of Christ here or at another gathering because of their faith in Christ. You need to know and be reminded that it doesn't matter who got up and preached the gospel. It doesn't matter what program that they went and heard the good news at. It doesn't matter if they picked up the Bible on their own and read it. The fact that they came to faith in Christ is all a work of God. And the Holy Spirit has caused us by opening our heart to understand the gospel and to see our sin and convicted by the Holy Spirit's working in us. And we go, oh, Lord, I'm a sinner. I believe. Save me. And God gets all the glory. And as believers, we get eternal blessings. And so God started his church he built his church. He had 12 disciples. Judas betrayed him. Matthias replaced Judas. There were 120 in the upper room after the ascension. On the day of Pentecost, 3,000 were added. And then more were added. And you read through the chapters, they go from 3,120 to 8,120 to possibly 10,000 to today millions of believers around the world. And still, we are the minority in a dark world where Satan is rampant. And so you and I must pray for the hand of the Lord God Almighty that he would save. And at the same time, don't be lazy Christians. Because God's method of how he saves people is that the gospel is declared and he says, you are to go and do that. Not to rely on a preacher in the pulpit. You are not to rely on a Bible study. Yes, all of those things, the gospel community and God uses those things, but you are to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit that you, Christian, brother and sister in Christ, would open your mouth, And tell a a non-believer that they are sinners. Jesus Christ loves them. He died on a cross in their place for their sins. He shed his blood to purchase them, to redeem them, to make them his own. And he died. Before he died, he bore the wrath of God the Father meant for you and I. And in that tomb on the third day, he was raised from death to life conquering Satan, conquering sin, conquering death, and he's ascended to heaven. He's ruling and reigning now, and he said he will return. Church, you need to open your mouth. You need to tell people that gospel truth that the Holy Spirit might open their eyes. And they would say, Lord, save me. And we rejoice that another brother or sister in Christ has entered into the kingdom of God for eternity. Church, that is God's method, that is his plan, that is his way and so may we be just like the early church when Christ started to build his church as he's building it today that we would stand for the name of Christ we would never back down for the name of Christ because in this world there are brothers and sisters in Christ who are facing persecution imprisonment death and destruction saying turn from Jesus Christ and we must not because Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through him. I look at my notes, and you know me. There's always so much more. Matthew 16:18 18, Jesus said, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That is Jesus' promise. And so today in Israel, today in countries in Africa, today in countries and places around the world, Christians who are facing great persecution in the United States of America, Christians who are facing persecution stand for the name of Christ. And God's promises that the Holy Spirit will give you the words when you stand before councils, when you stand before judges, when you stand before those who want to take your life to stand for and answer the name Jesus Christ. The last passage is in Matthew, chapter 5. Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, church, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. May we be reminded this morning, the church is not a building. The church is not a meeting space. The church is not a bank account. The church uh, is, is not physical things of this world. The church are brothers and sisters in Christ who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you and give you praise with much joy in our hearts for saving us. We thank you, Jesus, that you would go to the cross for us. We praise your name and we give thanks. Father, we pray and I ask, Lord, that if there's anyone in the room that have heard the gospel preached to them today, who are far from you and not saved, today, Lord, may it be the day of salvation for them. May they, in their seat, even right now, realize their sinfulness and realize your holiness and that salvation is through you, Jesus. Father, I pray that your Spirit would move them to call out to you for salvation and they would be saved. Father, may you continue to build your church in this place that gathers and in places in this city where believers gather to places around the world and that we would be in awe of you for the work that you have done, that you are doing, and you will do. Jesus, we long for your return and we uh, wait expectantly with great hope. In Jesus' name, Amen.